Good morning, Centerway Church. I'm Meredith. Hope you've been enjoying this beautiful weekend. I am so, so thankful to be gathering with you online this morning. We know there are all kinds of people watching or listening to this. Uh, it's great to see everyone that are gathering on our Sunday morning live platform, including those in watch parties. And we know that some of you are watching or listening to this later on in the week, and hello to you. If you're joining us for the very first time, we so badly wish that we could meet you in person. But for now, please know that we're thrilled that you're spending time with us, and we hope to make your first visit a little bit easier by talking through some things that we explain every week with you in mind. And hopefully this will help even those that join us every week. So if you're gathered on the online platform, the Sunday morning live platform, uh, there's many options for you. You can share or update your information. There's also a tab to give, to take next steps, find previous messages and share this message. You can also request prayer right on the live platform and one of our hosts will answer you separately in a private chat. If you're watching or listening to this message later, you can do all those things through the website. Uh, if you need prayer throughout the week, have questions, ideas, or feedback, we would love to help you any way that we can. Please don't hesitate to reach out. Just email us at connect at centerrightchurch.com. We have resources to go along with the message that will help you grow no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey and help take you deeper throughout the week. There are two main places on our website to find those, the messages page and the next steps page. Now, you'll definitely want to check out our Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals and our wallpaper images to remind you of the weekly application question, among other things. If you have kids in your home, we have a message just for them. They learn from the same scripture text that we learn from, and then they end with the same application question, which allows for great discussions and growth as a family. Before I wrap up here, just a reminder, next Sunday, November 29th, is our annual One Day to Feed the World offering through Convoy of Hope. The challenge is to give one day's wage to change the everyday of lives around the world by feeding, clothing, and educating them. Now take a look at this. Kids have a very special relationship with food. It fills them with strength, happiness, and hope. When they don't have enough, their whole life can come up empty. That's why Convoy of Hope feeds children in vulnerable communities all around the world. Because a full tummy is their best chance at a full life. That was a really brief description of what we get to be part of. And if you'd like to learn more, there's a link on our homepage to check out specific stories from One Day to Feed the World, as well as the other work that Convoy of Hope is doing both in the US and in 127 countries worldwide. Pretty cool. Now we get to be a part of this. And we also encourage your kids to get involved. They can't give a day's wage because of course they don't have jobs, um, but they can still find ways to be generous and find ways to be creative in their giving. Parents, you should be receiving an email about that this weekend with some of some ideas. Uh, if you don't and would like to get that email, just email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com and let us know. Now here's what to expect today. Karen will be reading the scripture text for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible. And then you'll hear some ways to respond in worship. Immediately after the message, you can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. Here's Karen with the text for today. Hi, Sunway family. My name is Karen, and I'm going to be doing the reading today. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. 
And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, when they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. morning and welcome. My name is Claude and my wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. Super excited that you have the opportunity to be with us this morning as we continue in a series called Disrupted. And uh, this morning's message specifically is entitled Listening. So Disrupted Listening. And we're beginning Mark chapter 4, as you just heard read. Uh, in case you are just joining us in the series, I'll kind of catch you up on the current reality as we jump into uh, to chapter 4. What we have is we've got um, the Pharisees and the scribes they're plotting to kill Jesus. Then we have Jesus' family who have been bombarded by uh, people's reaction to Jesus and ultimately conclude that he's crazy. And so they actually want to bring him home uh, so he doesn't embarrass the family any further. And then ultimately and finally, we have the multitude of people following Jesus and literally pressing against him uh, to basically get what they want from him. They all want their miracle. And so uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. A variety of different people responding to Jesus in different ways. Isn't that interesting? They're all hearing the same preaching. They're all hearing the same gospel, the, the same news that Jesus is communicating, but they're all responding differently. We all hear, right? But we don't always all listen. And uh, I know that that happened to me a lot while I was growing up. Um, I remember several times I could probably uh, choose out of a hat any one of them, but the common theme always involved my room. And it wasn't because I was necessarily a messy kid. I just always played in my room. My friends came, hung out in the room. And so my room just always got 
destroyed. <laughs> and uh, I remember one time in particular, my father came in and, uh, and said something to me. <laughs> and it, it usually sounds like words, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, Claude, did you hear me? And of course I did hear him. So I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. But I was playing with my Nerf basketball. Uh, and so I'm just kind of shooting away. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he leaves and I didn't think another thing of it. Honestly, I just kept hanging out in my room and uh, playing and stuff. And all of a sudden he comes back in and he's like, what's the deal? And I'm like, well, he's like, you, you said you heard me. I was like, yeah, I, I did. I did. I, I heard you. You said my name. And he's like, no, did you hear everything I said before that? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm not, yeah, I think I did, but I wasn't really listening. He's like, I said to clean your room. I said, clean this up and clean that up. He started pointing to specific things that I needed to like clean. I was like, oh yeah, no, I, I didn't, I didn't hear that. Yeah. I, I guess I wasn't listening. Sorry about that. So he leaves. I start cleaning up the room. I realized at that moment, like, whoa, this is kind of a cool angle. I wonder if I can keep the Nerf ball low enough off the ceiling that I can actually make a shot from across the room. So I just start shooting and uh, trying to make this shot. I get distracted. My dad comes back in and he's like, for the love of God, what is going on? I'm like, what? And he's like, you didn't do anything I said. I'm like, what do you mean? And he starts pointing out the things he had said before. And I was like, oh, right, right. He's like, well, then I don't think we can go. I'm like, go? Go where? And he's like, I said that you needed to clean up the room so that we could leave. And I was like, what do you mean? And so he starts talking about this fun evening that we had planned as a family. And evidently it was something he said, but I just, I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening. So I didn't, as much as I heard him speak, I heard a list of commands and things that I was supposed to do, but ultimately I didn't do the action associated. And I share that story because I could probably share a million different ones and you know exactly what I'm talking about, whether you're the kid in that story or whether you're the parent in that story. Like we hear things, but we don't always listen. And it's just, it, sometimes it's frustrating depending on which side of that you're on. My, my worst nightmare is when someone's talking to me and I'm engaged in the conversation and because I'm so easily distracted, sometimes they'll say something that kind of cues off something in my mind and I'll start thinking about something else while trying to listen to them. And then that moment comes and you know what I'm talking about if you've experienced it where they ask a question. So what do you think? I'm like, and all of a sudden it's like my mind goes quiet. All the things I was thinking of gone and I'm looking at them like a deer in headlights. I'm like, think about what? Like what I was just talking about. I'm like, yes, I think so. To that, I agree. Unless, I mean, <laughs> unless we shouldn't, obviously, which of course, I mean, you know what we should or, or should not agree to when we talk about this that we've been talking about with me listening. Like, and that's just what our normal conversations look like between me and Meredith. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. For some reason, at some point, I thought it would be beneficial for me to just be honest and be like, oh, I could hear you speaking, but I wasn't listening. Don't ever say that. <laughs> she was like, what? Why do you think that makes me feel good? Like, oh, so I endured the words coming out of your mouth, but I wasn't really paying attention. Like the reason I'm joking about it and I'm saying it is because we all do it. We all do it at varying levels. If you think you don't do it, you're lying to yourself. As humans, sometimes we hear things, but we just aren't listening. 
And that's the question I actually want to ask us this morning as we move into the text. Why do we hear without listening sometimes? Why? Why do we hear without listening sometimes? If we all hear without listening, why is that? I think the answer is simple and yet on some level rather profound. Sometimes we hear without listening because listening requires something of us. Listening requires something of us. Anyone can hear something, right? But did you listen? Did you take action on what you heard? Here's the deal. This is what's rather simple and yet profound. Hearing something happens to you. When, when somebody says something, when there's a noise or whatever, you hear it. It happens to you. But listening is a choice. Listening is a choice. You can hear something because it happens to you, but listening, taking action on what you've heard is a choice. You see, listening requires something of us. That's what we have in this morning's text. Much like the people responding differently to Jesus, even though they've all heard the same thing, what we have is the difference between hearing and listening. So we have a crowd so large in the text that he actually has to get into a boat and they push off of shore so that way he can speak to everyone and they're not pressing against him. And so he begins to teach via a parable. And he begins in verse three. In verse three, this is the word he starts with. Listen, with an exclamation point and everything. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, this is a sower of a seed, as you heard in the text. Not like, a sower went out to sow. I don't know why I think that's funny, but I had to just say it. Otherwise, I would just be picturing somebody with a needle going around to sow things. Anyway, I digress. He starts with listen. And this is critical because we understand the depth of that word a little more clearly now that we've talked about it. Listen. In other words, what I'm about to say to you requires action. And guess what? They don't listen. They don't listen. They treat Jesus and his new teaching like the way you and I treat a new live release of a CD with our favorite band. Now, maybe you're sitting there and saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. If you've ever been to a concert of your favorite band, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. For those of you that don't, basically what happens is you go to a concert and you're excited to hear all the songs, but there's always like one or two songs that are like your favorite song. It's a song that like they're known for. You paid good money to hear like that song because you want to sing along with it really bad. You want to scream with all the other people that can't sing. And you're just, you're at this concert for that reason to hear that song. And without question, the concert is taking place so that they can promote their new CD, their new song. And so they just play through this new stuff and you, you like it because it's a general sound that you enjoy. But the whole time you're like, this is annoying. Like, I don't know the words to these songs. Why are they insisting? And, and they're trying to promote their new release. And so you just kind of endure it. You sit there and you endure it. You're frustrated because you paid good money to hear the song you want to hear. And then finally it happens, right? If you've ever been to a concert, they, pay, they play their most popular song, typically last. You wait the whole time. And then last, finally they come out. Or worse yet, they don't play it. 
they don't play the song that they're best known for and they walk off stage. Now, if you've never been to a concert, you think that's terrible. But if you've been before, you know what that means. It means these people want to manipulate the entire crowd into what's called an encore. I hate that concept. I don't even understand what it means. It's like an agreement that everybody has. I think it's socially unacceptable, but they're like, here's the deal. We're gonna play a whole mess of songs knowing that the one song you really wanna hear, we're not gonna play for you. In fact, we're gonna leave all of our instruments on stage, walk off the stage as if we're leaving. We know we're coming back, you know we're coming back, but we're gonna stand right there and make you scream in order to earn us coming back out and do an encore. Anyway, I maybe have some deep-rooted issues, I'm not sure, but in either case, what happens in the encore or at the end is they finally sing that song, and everybody cheers, and they sing along, and, and they, they enjoy the fact that they've experienced the song that they came to hear. Now, I go through that explanation because that's essentially what's taking place with Jesus right now. It's like the crowd is pressing in, and they're enduring this teaching. Like, oh, okay, right, yeah, the sower went out to sow. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm here for my miracle. Can I get what I want? Can we get to the part where you start he healing people? I I'm here to, to watch the show. In the end, people that go to a concert get what they paid for. They get what they came for. It's called consumerism. And quite honestly, it's fine, right? At a concert, it's completely understandable. You paid money. You want to consume what it is that you paid for. The problem is, is that when we attach consumerism to a relationship, right? If we're not careful, we'll be mere consumers like this crowd in scripture. I don't know what the conversation was like, but it probably looked a lot like people saying, I came here because I want to get what I can get from Jesus. And so I'll endure the teaching. I'll be religious it just better pay off. I better get what I want from God. We know that's what's happening here because in verse 13, Jesus basically says to the disciples, and we'll get there in a moment, he looks at them and he says privately to the disciples, uh, you didn't get it, did you? You didn't understand the parable. And then he explains the parable. Now, why would he do that? Why would he assume that they didn't understand and explain it to them? It's simple. It's because nobody ever asked for an explanation. It's like when you know when you're talking to somebody and you're talking and you can tell they're not listening. Like they're hearing you, but they're not listening. Jesus is picking up on that reality and that's why he explains the parable to his disciples. Verse 8 says this. It says, And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. This is the part of the parable that where Jesus is kind of wrapping it up, okay? So verse 13 is where he, you know, divulges that they didn't understand it, but Verse 8, he's still, he's still concluding it. So I've jumped back to the conclusion of the parable as he's teaching it. And as he's explaining this, the thing that we need to understand about this parable is the typical good crop in that day would be somewhere between 5 and 15-fold return. So on average, if you had a good crop, 
it would give you tenfold what it is that you sowed, the seeds that you threw out in the agriculture of that day. And so in Jesus' parable, he's saying the good soil allows the seed to grow, increase, and yield fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's huge. Like that would be huge in their day. And so I can only imagine, and I'm literally just imagining what the conversation looked like in the crowd. Like as he says that part, like, wow, that is impressive. And someone's like, what is he talking about? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to ask, but I have no idea. I'm here for my healing. I'm here for my friend's healing, for my family's members' healing. In fact, I just hope he wraps this up. Could he just wrap it up? Because I don't even know what he's talking about. In verse 9, Jesus goes on after he says this monumental claim of nearly a hundredfold. Verse 9 says this. This is how he concludes the whole parable. And he said, Jesus, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Isn't that interesting? He starts the parable with listen, and he concludes the parable with he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You just picture again, people like, mm, yeah, amen. <laughs> let him hear. Whew, that is good. What is he talking about? I have no idea. No clue what's going on. <laughs> I came to watch and be entertained. I mean, Jesus is about to heal some people I hear, so I'm only here as a spectator. It's going to be pretty cool. I mean, I heard that in synagogue, he made a withered hand come whole. So I'm just here to watch. I don't know what he's talking about. Or maybe something like, um, well, I'm just here because when I'm here, it makes me feel good. Like this place, being near Jesus, it just, it feels good. I don't really pay attention to what he's talking about. I just enjoy the feeling of being in this place. Now, are those bad things? Are those bad things to, to, to come and, and engage where you want to see a move of God or where you want to feel his presence? No, those aren't bad things. Unless you're not listening, right? If it only goes that deep, then you're missing the entire engagement altogether hearing, but not listening. They're missing it because they aren't willing to be disrupted by Jesus. Get that just for a second, right? If hearing happens to you, it's passive, but listening requires something of you, which is disruptive. And so are they willing, are they willing to be disrupted? I think they're missing it because they aren't willing to be disrupted by Jesus. And I think sometimes we miss it because we aren't willing to listen to what it is that God is speaking to us. We don't want to be disrupted. Require something of them. Require something of us. But they came to be consumers. Just want to receive. What's in it for me? How can I get what I want? I have a front row seat to the best show in town. Here's the problem. That verb that wraps everything up, that Jesus says, let him hear. In the original Greek, it's in the active present imperative tense. Sounds like a mouthful. But it means this. It means it's ongoing right now command. 
Let them hear, not in the future, right now and from this moment forward. I command you, listen. Translated, let them hear. But what the action means literally to receive news, to understand it, and obey. Get that for a second. Jesus is saying, that which I have said, receive the news, the good news of the gospel, receive the coming uh, kingdom of God, this news that I'm proclaiming, understand it and obey, command from this moment forward. Jesus is saying, if you've heard about the kingdom of God, then listen, what are you doing about it? And nobody understood. And not a single person asked. And the reason we know is because he has to explain it to the disciples in verse 13. It's amazing. It's amazing because it rings true in our own life. We call this the the parable of the sower, but it's really about the soil, honestly. In fact, verse 12, Jesus quotes Isaiah. He quotes the book of Isaiah chapter 6, not as a declaration that people wouldn't hear, but as an acknowledgement of what's actually taking place. He's saying that's a prophetic word from Isaiah, and it's taking place before us right now. God's kingdom has broken through in the person and work of Jesus, the sower of the gospel, and people are missing it because they're unwilling to be disrupted. Jesus says, basically, let me explain. Let me explain. In verse 14, he says this, the sower sows the word. So he said, just, just so you know, <laughs> the sower in the story, in the parable that I told, sows the word. So the seed is the word of God. Jesus is teaching, his preaching, and his proclaiming. It's important fact that, that Jesus is kind of stating here. He's setting up the explanation of the parable. In verse 15, says, And these are the ones along the path where the word the seed, is sown. When they hear, something profound happens here. Don't miss it. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So get this. This is what Jesus is telling us. Every time the word of God is taught, spiritual warfare follows. Every time. Spiritual warfare is next. Right now, as the word of God is being preached, there is spiritual warfare that will take place. That will You will determine whether to act on the word of God that you have heard or to simply be complacent and to have simply heard the religiosity. Like I just went through the motions of attending a service, listening to a podcast, watching live, whatever it might be. It's a literal spiritual warfare that takes place. Will you hear or will you choose to listen? Look at the parable. What's the problem in the parable? Is the problem the seed? Like some of the seed went bad? No. The same seed, same word of God. Is the problem the sower? Like is this dude just like an idiot, like putting seed where it just shouldn't be? No, same sower, same Jesus, casting broad opportunity. Don't miss it. Get this. The problem is depth. Depth. The seed 
in the first example has zero depth. It falls on a path. It has no depth. And so as a result, it gets scorched by sun, dies. Satan steals the word. It's hard. The next one, the seed doesn't go deep enough. It doesn't go deep enough. And so as a result, it springs up and just dies immediately. The third one, it goes deep, but it goes as deep as everything else around it. Think about that. So when everything else around it begins to grow up with it, it chokes the seed out. Depth doesn't go deep enough. There's a lot to that if you think about it. Because there's a lot of people that engage and listen, but they listen to the degree in which they listen to everything else. And so the worries and the cares of this world are at the same depth as their understanding or perception of the gospel. And so when things start to spring up, they make a choice. Which is the priority in my life? It's truth, but that's my truth too. And that's my truth. And so it chokes out the reality of the gospel. Get this, when we listen, we are tending to an environment that disrupts and works the gospel deeper into our lives. Think about that for a second. The soil needs to be disrupted. There needs to be a pushing down of the gospel into the messy parts of our lives so that it's so rooted within us that, that, it, that it is the source It is the depths of our heart and soul. We need to place ourselves and we need to place those that we love in disciple-making environments that literally push the gospel down into into the depths of our heart and mind. So let's put it all together. We've got these people and then we've got this parable. How does it directly connect? Let me read verses 15 through 19 one more time so you can hear the progression of things. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them, the path, shallow. 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. When things get hard, they're dead. Verse 18. And those are the ones sown among the thorns. And others, sorry. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word And it proves unfruitful. It proves unfruitful. So let's put it together. The first soil, this path, it's the Pharisees and the religious leaders. They resist Jesus. There's zero depth of the gospel. What he's saying is, listen, these Pharisees, the scribes, they've come in and I have proclaimed the truth to them. I've told them about the kingdom of God and the depth, their heart is hard. And so Satan steals that away immediately. Zero depth. The second soil, this rocky ground, the crowds. It's the crowds. Because they're happy with Jesus, right? 
They're so happy. They're overjoyed. Keep doing miracles. We love it. And they spring up quickly. We'll follow you everywhere. Don't worry, Jesus. But then it gets hard. And Jesus knows this. We'll see it in the chapters to come. And when the rubber really hits the road, it turns out that they're mere consumers. When they don't get what they want, they're out. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I tried that Christianity thing, but it was just too hard. They didn't get it. They didn't understand. They responded with joy to an emotional response or a moment of excitement. They were manipulated or whatever you want to call that. And when it really came time to live the life, to listen to the truth of the gospel and apply it to their lives, they pushed back from the table because it was never really an authentic relationship. They were just trying to consume something from God. The third, the third soil is actually his family and even some of the disciples. The care about the perception and the approval of others. They, they look around and they're like, listen, uh, what you're saying makes a lot of sense to us. And we appreciate what you're saying. And it's deeper than everyone else. But here's the problem. Jesus, people are talking. They think you might be crazy. Why don't, you, why don't you just come home and we can save some face? You're embarrassing the family. Jesus, there's a line outside the door. Come do the healings. Like, do what you're supposed to do. Like, all this perception and idea of who Jesus is, and yet it's as deep as the cares of this world and the perception of others and the approval of others. And so, once it comes to, to decide, what do I choose between Will I follow Jesus and listen to what he's calling me to do? Or do I care more about the fiscal stability of my life? And so I'm not willing to risk it. Do I care more about what it is that people are saying? And so I'm not willing to take that God risk. I'm not talking about irresponsibility. I'm talking about being spoken to by God to do something and choosing to hear it rather than listen. And so they're literally being choked out by the cares of this world. How about you? Where do you fall? your heart hard towards God? Have you joined this message and listened and yet you're a skeptic by choice? Are you maybe one that gets super excited? You're on this mountaintop, but the minute it gets hard, uh, I'm pushing away from the table. And it's this spiritual journey of a roller coaster ride. Are you someone that says, no, I love the Lord. I do. As long as it doesn't cost me anything. As long as I can still get all of, how does Jesus say it? The deceitful riches and desires for the things enter and choke the word. The cares of this world. Where are you at? Don't miss this. Jesus is the sower. He's made that clear. And he says the seed is the word. But here's the deal. Jesus calls himself the word. He literally says the word became flesh, right? We hear that in John. And so Jesus is the sower and the seed. How's that possible? Because the sower sent himself. God sent himself for us, for you and for me. And so the seed is the word, but it's the gospel. And are we allowing the gospel to hang in the balance of the disciple-making environment that we choose to enter? 
Are we allowing the gospel to disrupt us? Are we allowing Jesus to disrupt us and listen to what it is that he's speaking? Because Jesus came as a seed and just as a seed must die in order to produce fruit, he too would die so that we may live. And if we'd allow that truth to go deep and to press it down deeper into our lives, it would inform every decision that we make. It would influence the cares and the worries that we have, what it is that we should hold on to and what it is that we should release. We must allow the gospel to go deep into our lives. Push it deep into our lives. Allow it to disrupt. Allow it to to offend our preconceived ideas. Because verse 20 says this, But those, this is how Jesus wraps up the explanation, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Hear the word and accept it. Hear it and listen. Apply it to their lives. Will you accept it? Will you accept the word? Will you accept Jesus, and allow him to disrupt your life? Are you willing to listen and live disrupted? In this wonderful place, not, not, not a place of, of torment where you never know what's going to happen next and, and disrupt it. No, a wonderful, beautiful disruption that allows the creator of the world and the person that knows you more intimately than you know yourself to say, will you trust me? Will you take a God risk? Will you listen to what I'm telling you about who you are, what I've called you to be, and what I've called you to do? Will you live disrupted? We say every week that the text requires something of us. So here's the question I want to ask you and all of us this morning. How will I act on what I've heard? It's another way of talking about listening, right? How will I act on what I've heard? Let's put the rubber to the road. What are you going to do about this? Maybe for you this morning, the thing you need to act on is allowing Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life. To stop playing the, the game or, or the surfacey engagement of religiosity and allow the gospel to go deep and say, okay, Lord, I want you to be the leader of my life. If that's you this morning, whether you find yourself as a skeptic or a surface a pseudo-believer, I want to let you know it's as simple as praying a prayer this morning. That's how it begins. And that prayer goes something like this, that you would ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, acknowledge that you're a sinner, and that he died for your sins so that you could live a life in line with the gospel. Ask him to come and be the Lord and leader of your life can start that way. In fact, if you pray that prayer right now, wherever you find yourself, if you're joining us live, please click the um, prayer button. That will put you in a private chat with one of our hosts, and we could talk about the next steps for you as you continue on this spiritual journey. If you're hearing this after the fact, you can always go to our Next Steps page on our website and see the the options of how you can go deeper, because we want to encourage you to do that, come alongside you, so it's not just an emotional response. For others of you this morning, what does it look like to go deeper? What does it look like to to act on this, to push the gospel deeper into your life? Maybe it means signing up to be spiritually coached, where we have done that and we are doing that in this season. And so we want to provide opportunity for you to do that if you haven't taken that step. Maybe it means the next time there's a circle cycle to, to jump in and be a part of a cycle via Zoom 
and just engage with other people and allow them to speak into your life. We have clarity workshops that provide opportunity for you to connect with the mission and vision here at Centerway Church, and we're doing that even in this season. And so if you're interested in taking the next clarity workshop, you can go to our website and sign up. What does it look like to go deeper? to go deeper. And I know I'm giving examples for Centerway. And if if you're far away, and I know that we have people watching and listening from everywhere, you can go deeper in specific ways in a, in a community of believers that you find yourself in. This isn't about furthering Centerway. This is about furthering the gospel. So what will you act on? How will you act on what you've heard? If you're a person that's already in those rhythms, you've given your life to the Lord, and you're actively engaged in your own spiritual development, I want to challenge you. It's time to bear fruit. It's time to bear fruit. That's what Jesus says. So what does it look like for you to be someone that acts on what it is that you know in a missional way? Maybe it means telling the story of your life, what God has done for and and through you to someone else. Maybe it means a spiritual conversation. It might also mean an act of generosity. We have Convoy of Hope, One Day to Feed the World coming up. And maybe it looks like a risk financially to say, you know what, I'm never going to meet these people, but I'm going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to give for the first time. I'm going to give more than I have in the past. I I don't know what that looks like for you, but I want to challenge you. Take action. How will I act on what I've heard? Let's pray because I believe the Holy Spirit will lead you. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we simply say, we're listening. We're listening. God, we, w- we want to know what it is that you would have us to, to be and what it is that you'd have us to do. We want to, to participate with you in the redeeming narrative that you're writing in the hearts and lives of not only ourselves, but everyone around us. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you speak to us and give us direction so that we can respond in a way that honors you and brings us into the fullness of life for your glory and our joy? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. Hope that you choose to act this week. You're not going to want to miss next week as we continue in the series, Disrupted. Hope to see you then. Hi, I'm Eric. Thanks for joining us this morning. We want to be doers of the word and not just hearers of it. So how will we act on what we heard? How will we go deeper? In just a minute, we're going to respond to the word through song. And that's one way to worship, but we also encourage you to pause and consider how you will apply the scripture and then act on that decision all throughout the week. If you're with us live, we'd now love for you to join us on Instagram or Facebook to worship together through song. If you're watching or listening to the message later, you can find the songs we're about to sing on Spotify. Search Centerway Church and look for our disrupted playlist. For those gathered on the online platform, we'll see you live on Facebook or Instagram in a couple minutes.